Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindegaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's standing by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello, how are you? And welcome to episode 102 of the Glovers Cast with me, Ben Barrett. And if it's my dulcet tones introducing proceedings this evening, slash this morning, slash this afternoon, whenever it is you are listening, that means that Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Laurel and Hardy, Barry and Paul Chuckle are not with us. Dave is off working, doing some work things with his, I don't know, work employees or something. And Ian is currently, as I speak, on a Glover's Trust call. Ooh. Chances are nothing interesting will come of it. And if it does anyway, you won't tell me anyway the git. So I've had to pull in a favor. I've had to pull in a couple of uh, strings. I've had to ask, beg, steal, and borrow. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that making his full, proper, absolute, genuine, 100% Glover's Cast debut is the voice of pandemic-era YTFC, Mr. Marcus Duncan. Marcus, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you for that introduction uh yeah to be the voice of that pandemic here i think is a forgettable uh thing to move on from but yeah so uh, thanks for asking me on and i'll try and fill ian and dave's boots as as well as possible 
It won't take much, mate. I'll be honest. With you. It, won't <laughs> take much. it really won't. Um, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the weekend coming up, Chesterfield. A little bit about Altrium and then Chesterfield. But uh, I want to start by talking about a couple of things to do with you. But before I do, I want to give another welcome to the Glovers Casters today, Thursday. The 16th of September, we welcomed another debut to the Glovers Cast. If you go to gloverscast.co.uk on the homepage, Green and White Goals. It's a YouTube channel you may have seen doing the rounds on a few social media. Uh, Chris Angulo, I hope I've got that surname right. Apologies if I've butchered it, has been uploading uh, Green and White Goals, as the name suggests, for a little while now. And we've invited him to the Glovers Cast to do a Throwback Thursday. So on the latest news, you can see Throwback Thursday number one, Aaron Davis Hattrick starts the Oval season back in 05. 06 and that one of those goals was an absolute screamer and you can view that on the homepage but please 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 go and subscribe to green and white goals on youtube as well so a warm welcome to chris and green and white goals to the glovers cast as well a couple of green and white uh, debutants on the glovers cast today but marcus i want to i want to talk to you really so you are a voice who to many yeovil fans would have been uh, used to chris spittles and uh, tom seymour sheridan robbins and a number of other perfectly wonderful um, uh, commentators. But you arrived on the scene last season as the main commentator for the stream. Of course, the stream, uh, match day streams, were the only way we could watch the Glovers last season with everything being behind closed doors. Tell us a little bit about, firstly, yourself and how long you've been commentating and, and how the p- position and the role came about. Yes, it was a bit of a strange one, actually. I mean, I'd grown up listening to all those voices you'd mentioned. So I'm, I've grown up in London. I'm from London, but I have always been a Yeovil fan, strangely. And uh, yeah, I remember putting in my yearbook at the end of school. It's like, what's one thing you'll remember or something? I put putting Yeovil on the map because uh, everyone knew me as the, the Yeovil man. Uh, no one ever heard of Yeovil from London. They were all Chelsea, United, Liverpool fans. But no, it's a bit of fun. And then... I um, went to Exeter University in 2018, to be honest, mainly because it was near Yeovil, about an hour on the train, and I knew I'd be able to get to a few games, uh, not just away days. Um, And yeah, I did student radio there. And then in my second year, a, a vacancy came up after Alex left the media team, which Sam has very uh, successfully filled his boots and it was to assist Sam. Uh, It was looking for a team of volunteers and I thought, what the hell, I can go to Yeovil Games for free. Um, Didn't really have much experience and I got the job somehow, worked with Sam who knew far more than me about the ins and outs of social media. I was just there doing the, uh, it was the, the minute by minute live text commentary on the website which i don't think anyone has really ever looked at to be honest is that the i follow stuff uh it's it's on the website it was like a very much a football league thing you know all the football yeah, league websites right. all together, the same. yeah it was on that and it was just, i had a bit of freedom because no one really looked at it to be a bit more relaxed um and it was good fun i did facebook and instagram occasionally um so I did that for the season for the 2019-20 season where we a very successful season but obviously that was interrupted and then I came back for my first pre-season game to see Sam I hadn't seen Sam since the Wrexham 3-0 and it was Taunton away and there were fans at that game it was in September that weird period between the summer lockdown and uh 
yeah and then i went to the bournemouth under 23s where i don't know if you remember that we were trialing a That's youtube right. yes. stream because i think everyone was suddenly like god we've got to get a stream for a season which isn't an easy task so fair play to sam for sorting that and then he mentioned during that game which was a pretty dull game against the bournemouth under 23s where was it Charlie Daniels scored from the halfway line. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, I, I wasn't really looking. I, I was looking <laughs> down and I looked up and the ball was in the net from a free kick on the, on the halfway line. But uh, he mentioned that we were lacking a commentator. And I sort of said, well, as a last, last, last resort, if you don't get anyone else, I'm happy to do it. For was It, the, it was the Wealdstone game was the first home game. because we had Kingsland, yeah, then Wealdstone. And I got a text from Sam about three days, no, more than that, about five days before the match. And I was saying, do you want to do it? And I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, but um, I did it. I, well, according to Sam, I turned out not to be terrible. And so I could carry on doing it. That's all you want, straight on the TV. As long as I didn't get on the CV, not terrible. That'll do. Booted booted on from the, after the first game. It was a, it was okay. And yeah, those first two games were on YouTube. So we had a lot more viewers and I could actually see how many we had. The Wrexham game in particular, because I mean, they've got a big fan base. I think it peaked at about 20,000, which was uh, pretty terrifying to see. But <laughs> yeah, it just sort of went from there and I wasn't really expecting it. Um, but it was, it was a dream for me to be able to do that. Um, and yeah. Have you, have you, was that always the, the, the plan of a broadcaster in, in sports? Is, is commentary your future or was that not the plan and you just kind of fell into it? Yeah, it was sort of falling into it. I'd always enjoyed, uh, when I was younger, I, I, so I want to work in sports media um, because I basically want to steal a living watching sports all day, uh, which sounds like the dream. That's what I do. And yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, I, I've never actually considered proper commentating. As I said, I've done bits of student radio at Exeter where, but to be honest, it's it's a bit of a piss up. And we did like a Tuesday night goals show. It's a, a rip off of Soccer Saturday, but we'd get a few drinks in as well. And we'd sort of exaggerate being Jeff Stelling uh, in a in a jokey way. And then suddenly I had to do serious commentary for an actual football club. And it was like, oh, <laughs> uh, but no, it was, uh, it was great fun. And yeah, something I, I was, absolutely terrified for that wheelstone game um because i don't know i so many people listening to me and my housemates were taking the mickey out of me um they actually i don't know you probably didn't see this but on the chat on the youtube because there was a live chat back in the youtube stream days oh really and they uh they made an, a youtube account in my name called marcus duncan and uh, were commenting throughout. I didn't see this, but I was told afterwards they were commenting, saying like, "Wow, this commentator is amazing. I love him." Just to... <laughs> so, if anyone saw that and thought I was being incredibly vain while commentating, yeah, it wasn't wasn't me. Um, we, well, but... The thing is, though, we just got to take your word for that. That's your, <laughs> that's your word against anyone else's. That's all yeah, that is. I, I thought up that story very quickly. Before okay, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that you've planned that one. You've had that in the mind. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. That's, do you know what? I think it's really good to say you've had so little experience. I don't think many people could find any real place to complain with regards to the, the commentary service. The stream obviously took a bit of an upgrade after the first yeah. couple of games, and, and it provided um, a much better service. One of the questions I was going to ask, because it's something that I've been very, very lucky to do on a couple of occasions with the BBC as a co-commentator, 
Did you feel any pressure? Oh, because yeah. I feel like when I was there, I was very aware that only 200 people or thereabouts were in the away end and had an opinion on this game that was unfolding in front of them. Anyone else was probably listening in to what Sheridan and I were going to say. And I, I just felt like that's a lot of pressure. Did you feel that even though we knew we had images and stuff? Oh, yeah, I, I, I lived that. I felt a lot of pressure because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, no one was in the stadium. Uh, the only way to watch, obviously, or you, you, you could listen, um, but was through, I mean, I, I assumed what I did was usually I just imagined that most people had muted the commentary and then <laughs> I, I had free reign to sort of be a bit more confident. But the added pressure was the away fans because you don't you. BBC Somerset, I'd always listen to, but say a Stockport fan would listen to BBC Manchester or whatever. Yeah. So I had to get that sort of, I couldn't be too biased, but I also was obviously the Yeovil commentator, but that was a lot of pressure. But to be honest, the pressure of getting the Yeovil fans to <laughs> enjoy me, I guess, uh, and not get absolutely slated uh, was... Uh, absolutely fine after the first game when I got so many I was uh, inundated with lovely messages from people um, which really sort of eased me and then uh, again away fans as well would send me some lovely messages Wrexham fans in particular uh, I don't know if whether that's just because it was free on YouTube uh, <laughs> but I, I did get some uh, some harsh messages from Hartlepool fans, but I can understand that. I was bored <laughs> out of my eyes watching that game as we went 3-0 down after half an hour. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. That oh, was... yeah. Well, okay, that... That, that then leads me on to my next question because there's no there's no getting around the the uh, the position. We weren't very good for parts of it last season. Oh, there's, there's no way to go around it. And then we understand there are mitigating circumstances uh, but we we were rubbish at times, really rubbish. How difficult, because you, you, you're a Yeovil fan. You want Yeovil to do well, and you want to sell, and you want to be positive. You're on the official stream. It's not like you're on the BBC and can say, actually, this isn't going very well. How difficult, you've already mentioned about the balance between home and away. I hadn't thought about that. That's an excellent point. How difficult was it to get the balance between realism of what's going on in front of you and I've got to keep my green tinted glasses on yeah i mean it, it was awful i thought i had a curse on me or something that we just weren't gonna win once i when i was and we didn't actually until because i went home back to london over christmas and the first game i saw us win well apart from that dover fa cup penalty when i don't count that was uh i think it was altringham in february no no or weymouth whichever of them came before but it was in about february and i was so relieved but um yeah, it, it was tough because I knew partly, well, first things first, I knew Darren Saul watched them back with the commentary. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, because he, he told Sam, because Sam co-commentated on one of the games. I think it was that Dover game. And uh, the next game, Sam said to me, he was like, oh, the gaffer liked the commentary. And I was like, oh, God, he, he watches all of them back. And, uh, yeah, that was something to keep in mind and then I also knew that people in the hierarchy who perhaps weren't attending games for whatever reason we may never know um would have been watching them and I couldn't say anything damning about yeah I I had to be respectful to and also players families mm, um, yeah that, that, that that's an excellent point actually Josh Nerfville's mum 
was very active i think it's most people saw and so and she yeah i know she watched them and i'm sure loads of other people did because they could get sort of passes for their families so i couldn't be too uh slate i couldn't slate players too much it was what's he doing there what's he doing there i mean for? when the football was all it was it was terrible the, the i mean it, the season started in october we got our first win in december it was just horrendous i mean it was yeah but I, I, I wanted to just shout and yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be in the, the only one in the back of that Thatcher stand, but um, no, I couldn't really. And the other thing was, uh, I'm sure you know, where, and most people know where the press box is in Hewish Park. And so for the first few games I was in there, which is obviously outside, and there were no fans in the stadium. Usually these players can't hear what you're saying. You're the only people speaking in the stadium apart from the uh, them swearing at the ref and stuff. So I I remember, I think it was the Wheelstone game, one of the Wheelstone players came, he was right in front of it and he'd just done a terrible cross. And I said like, oh, and that's a really poor decision from Denon Lewis or whoever it was. And he suddenly turned around as he was about to take a throw. And I was like, oh, it's, I, I, you forget how much it echoes in these empty stadiums. You're the only one speaking. And yeah, it was a, it was a strange experience. And I was only... Uh, I'm now 21, but I was I just turned 20 when I started, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm quite a sort of scrawny, young-looking 20-year-old. So for them to be turning around this stupid commentator slating them, I don't think I would have had much ground to stand on. Let's let's move it on then, because um, look, we've we've touched on it a number of times. Tragedy hit the football club last year, and I just want to take I I messaged you at the time actually. But I thought your first words on that stream of the Boreham Wood game were as about as perfect as I think they could have been. How many times did you write that, rewrite that, go over it in your head? Because I, I couldn't imagine being the first words that somebody hears after seeing a football club go through what it did from afar. That must have been so tough. Yeah, well, so obviously... It was first the Ultrium game that got postponed mm-hmm. and then a few, uh, I think one more after that. And then Sam texted me asking, because I was actually away in London. I, I said to him, I, I can't do any games for a month or whatever. And he texted me saying, um, I, obviously this is the first game back. I'd really like you to do it. And I was very touched by that. And I was like, of course, I, I, it'll be an absolute honour. Um, for me to do that and I, that that actually was the most nervous I've been for a game and uh, that was for a Maidenhead game and so as soon as I got that text and said yes I was on it and I'd written a draft and I sort of looked at it every other day changing bits and then the Maidenhead game was called off yeah um, and then it was the uh, the Boreham Wood game that was the first game so it was another so it was sort of two weeks bef- between that and mm. that and then the morning of the Boreham Wood game, uh, I actually rewrote it hugely. Um, and I was oh. like, what the hell am I doing? And then I almost, it was written on my phone, stupidly. And as I started the stream, I almost couldn't find it up. I couldn't get my phone out my pocket and unlock it and get to notes. And I'd started speaking and obviously I didn't want to say anything else. But um, yeah, no, that was an incredibly strange and horrible uh day to go in to Hewish Park and I because the last game before that was the Barnet game where we beat them 3-1 or whatever and 
I had Wilco alongside me of course, yeah. that day. And he was in the box with me. He was brilliant, Wilco. He was a really nice guy. Um, he did actually go to the toilet right in the middle of it. I don't know if anyone heard that, but <laughs> right in the middle it. of it, he suddenly just nudged me. He was like, oh, I'm going to go to the toilet. I was like, oh, fair enough. All right. <laughs> and then the door closed. And I, was like, I assume people heard. Um, but yeah, so all the players who weren't on the bench, Colo uh, was out injured or suspended, I think then. Um, and they'd always sit in the executive seats and come up to the top. I'd moved to the other side the stadium by this point where the sort of directors sit in one of the little glass boxes and they'd walk across there walk right past me and yeah Colo walked past me uh and saw Wilco and was joking around with him and it was yeah it was it was brilliant to see them all having fun and then when the when I heard on the Friday or Thursday I, it, honestly I was absolutely I just couldn't believe it. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but having seen him joking and laughing around just five days before, it was it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, the Boreham Wood game was the proudest I think I've ever been to be a Yeovil fan, having seen that performance on the pitch in a pretty dud season where no one really cared. We'd already had an absolute stinker of a start to the season seeing those players after that Tom Knowles goal where he scored quite early and it was just a resolute performance. And it, yeah, you, you knew it was all for, for the big man up there. And he, um, yeah, I was just praying that Borenwood wouldn't ruin the party and score late on. That would have been awful, but it was, yeah, that was really tough, but I was honored to have a crits alongside me as well. Nick Crittenden, who was brilliant oh, yeah. and helped me through it. Well, like I say, first of all, a huge, huge congratulations from, from me personally, as someone who's sat with a microphone in their hand, having to go by what they say and do on the air. I think you handle it absolutely perfectly. And I said as much at the time. So a huge congratulations. Um, let's, and a fun fact, I was meant to be there for Maidenhead, actually. Yeah, I, Sam told me, actually. I was going to be your number two for Maidenhead. I was in town randomly uh, just seeing family. And I text Sam because we thought it was going to be the first game back. And I kind of said to him, you know, first game back, if you need anything, I don't care if you just want me running around picking up yeah. bits of paper, I'll do it. Just let me know. And he texted me going, do you want to do co-coms on the stream? And I was like, oh, Christ. You should have done comms. You could have usurped me. <laughs> Jeez. I was like, okay, right then. So, yeah, that was going to be me. Um, but like I said, you handled it incredibly well. And let's, let's end this little stint on a bit of a high because it did get a lot yeah. better with the return of fans. I know a couple of results didn't necessarily go our way, but those couple of games at the end with fans, how, how good was that? feeling to be commentating in a proper quote environment where you know the great and the good of commentary worlds go oh i didn't want to be in that commentary box i wanted to be <laughs> in the <laughs> believe me when i got there so I, I i didn't have a car in exeter so i always had to get the, the bloody train from exeter to yeovil which was not the most reliable to be honest um and then obviously yeovil hewish park to the nearest station is about as difficult as it gets. That's far as that's far to Exeter. Yeah, uh, and I got there a bit late, but honestly, when I when I got out the taxi from the station, dropped me off, and seeing all these people outside the stadium, the Golden Gamble man, um, the <laughs> oh, it was honestly, it, it it just felt sort of normal again, and like Darren Sarr has been saying so much, he he hadn't enjoyed a football game before then. Like that was the first game he enjoyed all season. 
um it, it's completely true it just felt completely different it felt like a, a game in a competition rather than this strange side of football we'd seen. and the football was completely different yeah it was high intensity they were playing with the crowd i mean wilco had a bit of a mad moment where he handballed the a ball into the goal. Oh, yeah. We thought we'd gone one up, then he got sent off. That was uh, weird, wasn't it? That was really... I think he got a bit overexcited to score in front of the... I think they all had a bit of a bet on who would be the first to score in front of the Thatchers and all wanted to be that one. Uh, and no one did in the end, <laughs> in the Stockport or Maidenhead game, which was gutting. I just wanted to hear that roar. Um, but yeah, the fourth minute in both those games was special. Um, but it, it was just... Yeah, it was just phenomenal to see people around me and suddenly I had people looking at me from in front of me and I was commentating I wasn't used to this I was while it was strange in an empty stadium suddenly there were other people I'm sure you had this on Saturday at Stockport you said you had a few uh I mean you were in the away they were very angry very very angry they weren't happy with Sheridan and I at all they weren't happy with me (laughs) Sheridan was doing a very professional job I was the one cracking jokes yes no no, you did a brilliant job um but yeah suddenly I had all these people looking at me I was like oh this is that idiot we've been listening to all year (laughs) Uh, <laughs> sort of felt apologetic like, yeah sorry it's what I look like <laughs> but no it's brilliant and uh to be honest I was really looking forward to getting back into stadiums as a fan again um as much I, I, I thoroughly I loved working for the club I've supported and stuff but you do just miss that uh going into an away end some dingy away end in Dagenham or something well actually it's quite a big one uh but flat yeah. pint questionable yeah, exactly. pie yeah no i i completely agree with you i was like that on saturday at stockport i i i loved being in the commentary box i still love being in the commentary box but i would have quite liked to have done that song at the end and uh, and yeah. cheered with the fans you I want to completely... teleport across yeah you do exactly exactly right you do um so finally then what 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 next are you going to keep doing commentary are you going to jump on i've thrown your name to the good people at the bbc so uh, what are you hoping to achieve yeah so i um i've been thanks to you i've been uh contacted by the BBC so I'm hopefully going to do their sort of London based away game because I've graduated from Exeter now so I'm touch wood but well no pun intended doing Boreham Wood on uh, next Saturday which would be a great experience for me I I, yeah I can't believe it because I grew up living in London always listening to Chris Spittles um Pete Simpson for me just before I'm a little bit older than you it was Pete Simpson for me, the first uh, voice I heard. I remember him commentating on Chris Wheel's goal, and he simply goes with <laughs> wheels there and just lets it all go. So, yeah, it was Pete Simpson for me first, and then a bit of Chris Spittles, and then further on to Tom Seymour and, and Sheridan and stuff. So I, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're on about. That was the other thing, actually, as well, because I'd met Chris the year before, the season before, which was his final season doing BBC, and lovely guy. And then he said he wasn't going to carry on, and I knew everyone was going to be watching these streams and everything and Chris had been the voice of Yeovil for ages suddenly mm-hmm. I was like oh my god I'm I'm in no place to replace Chris Spittles it was because he was amazing at his job but um but yeah so hopefully I'll be doing those London away games and I'm so I've moved back to London back at home uh doing a sports journalism course uh 10 minute cycle from where I grew up which is ideal and couldn't be more convenient uh and yeah hopefully i'll be following yeovil around the country as well uh if time permits 
always the way time money and all the rest of it permits yeah. thank you so much right then it's time to now take a little look forward what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick pause because ian who uh, isn't with us tonight was available yesterday and has uh, pre-recorded a chat with spirites right a uh, chesterfield podcast slash website slash bloggy thing and he had a good chat and it's a fairly lengthy one as well i think he went at it for a little bit so on the other side marcus and i will be back we'll be talking about what the gaffer said in the press conference So I'm delighted to welcome back to the Glovers cast the team from Spy Rights Right, Tom, Matt and Tom. Uh, welcome back to the Glovers cast. Thanks for having a chat this evening to talk about our unexpected game on Saturday. Um, you guys are unbeaten at the moment. What are you What are you thinking ahead of facing us on, on Saturday afternoon at Hewish Park? Well, yeah, cheers for having us back on the podcast. It's it's good to be back and to have, have another good chat, I'm sure, about both of our respective chances this season. Um, yeah, it has come around a bit unexpectedly. Obviously, we were supposed to play a, a different game um, against Woking and they've had some COVID tests, so we've managed to squeeze this one in. Uh, so I don't really know what to expect. You guys have had a cracking start to the season, to be fair on you. Uh, I'm quite scared about the prospect of, of facing Quigley with the form that he's in at the moment. Uh, so I think it'll be a good game, probably... A game for the strikers. There might be a lot of goals. Uh, yeah, it should be a good contest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no easy feat to go to Edgeley Park and absolutely tonk Stockport three 0 is it? I mean, what what a fantastic result that was for you lot. And I've I've, I've got to say, I did I did have half an inkling you'd sort yourselves out a little bit from last year because it was a bit disappointing for you lot, wasn't it? But didn't you start to pick up towards the end? And it seems like you've you've picked up where you left off, really, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, last season we've sort of just buried that deep into the memories because it was just <laughs> not a good time for the club at all like off the pitch on the pitch just horrific and then over summer the the managers really sort of brought in some um under the radar players he, he calls them misfits because he hasn't got as much money to he hasn't had a lot of money to spend we've probably got less budget than we did well we've definitely got less budget than we did last year so you know we lost the likes of charlie lee jimmy smith Carl Dickinson, Reese Murphy, some really sort of older players who were on higher wages and key players. And we haven't brought anyone in of that sort of calibre, really. We had Ruben Reed towards the end of last season. Um, everything's young, so we've got a lot of young players. And yeah, so far, um, so far, so good, really. The, the Stockport game was, I think, some of us, the optimists within the Town supporter base, probably thought we'd... We, we could nick a 1-0 because a lot of, you know, our games have all been by the odd goal. So I think we sort of thought that that was a possibility. Um, you never really know what you're going to get with Stockport. They've had a pretty poor start. So, yeah, I think with that in mind, we thought we could get something. But to go and score three was just unbelievable. And then, you know, we're all quite looking forward to playing Altrium and then that's called off and there was a lot of, chatter on social media you know we were sort of disappointed that there might not be a game because they're you know oozing confidence at the moment and it could be you know i think it's a good time to play you guys as well from our perspective just because we're we're playing with confidence and obviously you guys are playing with confidence at the moment too yeah you're on about budget we don't actually know where our budgets come from 
because honestly, before before the summer, it was like, oh, we've got no money, you know, and all this. Then all of a sudden, oh, we go and splash hundred and fifty grand on Shimanga, and it's off. Clearly, we do have money. Then it's a bit weird, <laughs> very weird. Yeah, did I see something about some sort of insurance payout? Yeah, so what? Well, um, what one of our one of the members of the, the board at the club uh, put some insurance in place, which covered 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 us against any loss of revenue as a result of the pandemic, uh, which was <laughs> quite fitting to get, really, considering what's been happening for the last year and a half. Yeah, so, unbelievable foresight. Yeah, oh, I, I'm going to ask you what next week's lottery numbers are. I think. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I think John Crute might have started the coronavirus pandemic just so that Chesterfield didn't <laughs> buy it, to be honest. <laughs> just so they could buy Shimanga. That, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it it's strange because we, as you know, the club does its own pod, Chesterfield Football Club does its own podcast with like, all the directors every like eight weeks or something. All right. And they were cool. saying like they had to go to like a high court ruling to rule so the insurance company would actually pay out and the payout hasn't actually happened yet but the club had budgeted for like three and a half thousand fans and like loss of revenue yeah and so far we've averaged over five thousand okay so there's a there's a claim there that we could get even more money from the additional 1500 fans that we're getting over the course of this season to prove even more that we've missed out on our money we've absolutely fluked it with yeah. this insurance policy. <laughs> it's so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're like the opposite end of the spectrum, I would say. Um, <laughs> no sort of preparations, no foresight. Um, an owner who appears to be on the way out, but hasn't, you know, so is spending as little as he can right now. Um, we, we, know, we know that feeling. Yeah. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know it very well. <laughs> It's, it's it's a horrible feeling when you you know that your owner doesn't care and just doesn't want to invest into the club, isn't it? It's just not nice. Yeah, well, I think our owner he's actually originally from your way, um, but lives in Essex, Turkey, what, and Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's never really about. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's you know the indications are he's you know he bought the club on a because there's loads of land. He bought the club for the the land. And is now trying to, you know, flog it. So, yeah, it's all a bit up in the air right now, but hopefully we'll have some certainty in the next couple of weeks or so. That would be good. Yeah, yeah but I mean, one thing that is certain is for you guys is that on the pitch, you're playing some cracking football. And just just how good is is the team playing at the moment? Well, what, what we found is we are absolutely... St- robust and resilient at the back like so we've got we've managed to play the same team for three games in a row we didn't manage to play the same team twice until the 11th game of last season so we've had like consistency straight away um same back four steady back four and we've got two holding midfielders who sit in front uh josh staunton and dale gorman who are just they're just machines. They they clean up. They're... Gorman's probably the better one going forward than Staunton is, so he'll, he'll get things moving forward. But um, just sort of two holders who just break everything up and really offer the defence that like extra level of protection. Um, and it's been really good. They've just 
we're sort of I think we're built to be solid at the back and then get teams on the break and it seems to be working for us you know we we a couple of penalties here and there quickly scored two penalties three penalties actually so um a few of his goals have been penalties i think we're sort of the way we're setting up on set pieces at the moment we're it's like it's almost going to happen it feels like we're we're reaching a point where we're going to happen we're going to get something in the the, the halifax game uh, and the Stockport game, actually, I think we put a lot of pressure on the goalkeepers and they started flapping at corners and crosses. So, yeah, I think we were sort of set up to be, I don't want to call us Stoke because we've got more to us than that. But we're a bit, you know, set up to defend and also we can um, do something from set pieces, I think, if we get the deliveries right. We've got big players, we've got tall players who, you know, are threatening. So that's always a good thing to have in this league, I think. Yeah, 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 you, you, you need that. There's, there's so many good sides in the National League. You've got to look at your Bromleys, your Boreham Woods, you know, who they, they find a way of grinding results out because they're so solid at the back and they're, they've always got a chance of nicking a goal, whether it's from a counter-attack or a set-piece or, or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, look at Barrow and Sutton, you know, the last two teams that have won the division. No one would have thought they were going to win the league, would they, at the start of the season? So I think, you know, that's... You know, I don't think we're going to win the league, but the fact that those two teams won it in previous seasons sort of, you know, keeps that idea alive that you know something could happen if, you know, if you get the right results. Even you've got Max Hunt playing for you. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm convinced he's from Chesterfield. Is he? Yeah, because if he's the same kid he used to play for Chesterfield Junior Blues, which is the club I coach at. So, Did you coach him? <laughs> no, no, no. He's a, few, he's a bit older. He is from Chesterfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the same one then. Yeah, there you go. He's twenty-two. Mm. So, there you I'm, go. I'm older than him. There you go. <laughs> you've got you've got a player from the, the Tom Oxley School of Excellence in your side. Oh. <laughs> no wonder you're doing so well. <laughs> is this? Yeah, are you taking credit for? Max Hunt's I, development. I nothing to do with his development. <laughs> no. <laughs> you didn't you didn't, you know, take him to Nottingham Forest and No, nor no. did I take him to Derby. No. <laughs> no, nothing nothing to do with me. No, he's been really good. Um, you know, he, he is young. I think last year he broke his cheek towards the end of the season. Um, as you know, most of our players got really odd injuries last season. It was a really freaky one um but he's really he came on loan from carlisle and then we just signed him and he's been really good he's just like he's tall he's about six foot six he's a he's a tall bloke and he really he put in a brilliant tackle towards the end of halifax game um that just it was like a goal saving tackle and he had to get it perfect otherwise it was penalty red card um and then they equalized situation but yeah for a youngster he's he plays, he plays like he's been around a long time. So that must be something to do with your coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they they always say that in any any level of football to have a successful side, you need a, a mixture of experience and youth. And um, I think having young projects like that to bring on always bodes well, doesn't it? And it always it makes makes the fans excited in a way because they they're sort of following those players through their development, aren't they? And it, it, it makes you root for them even more. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, we've only got two players who are over 30 in our squad this season. Um, and that's, yeah, Ruben Reed and Mark Little, who are both injured at the moment and haven't played. So I, that just, you know, the next oldest is 29 in Luke Wilkinson. So we've got a really young squad. It's not even, at the moment, it's not really a mix of youth and experience. But the managers, um, the way Darren Soles sort of saying it, a lot of these players, although they're not old, they have got experience. So like Josh Staunton, who he was 26 today. Um, he's played a load of games. He, he played for Halifax in the National League for, I think he's got, you know, he's got nearly 200 appearances in the National League. So there's others who are not necessarily experienced with age, but have played a lot of football um, and are using that, you know, we're mm. using that and leaning on that. Yeah, it's, it's a, sorry. I was about to say that's been one of the biggest things about our recruitment recently that all of us, when we first came out and down to the National League, it was all like, oh, let's get ex-football league players on massive wages. And they were like, oh, now this season, yeah, we, we've signed a couple, but they've, they've all basically been in the National League the majority of the career. And like the majority of the players we signed last season, which got us out of the mire, were all from basically the National League North. We raided Gloucester. We talk about six players or something daft like that. Yeah. And you're on about going back to Mark Little, also had a loan spell at Chesterfield. And I, and I was looking at this, and there's a lot of players that have played for Chesterfield and they also played for Yeovil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Nathan Smith. Nathan Smith. Did Andy uh, Welsh play for Chesterfield at one point? Uh, I, I don't sure know. He I'm not sure he but, did. Like in recent years, you've got Jack Clark. Uh, Tom, oh, Tom Whelan. Whelan. Well, let's talk. I wanted to talk about <laughs> them because obviously you signed Whelan was your big signing last year, wasn't it? Or well, he was one of your big, seemed to be one of your big signings last year and did really well for you. And then you signed Jack Clark, who bombed on loan for us, just did not fit at all. And now you've signed Clark and Whelan's gone to Eastleigh, hasn't he? So, what, what happened there? Uh, when when Whelan first came in, he was he was absolutely absolutely electric for, for us. Um, his range of passing, his his shooting, and he was such a direct midfielder as well. He had a load of really good attributes, which helped us out in a lot of games. But unfortunately for him, I think he had a lot of off the field issues uh, going on. I think he lost his uncle a few months ago, which was really really hard for him. I, I think that must have knocked him a little bit and uh, affected the way that he was playing on the pitch. And also, uh, James Rowe has said that uh, there were issues with his fitness as well. Uh, that he wasn't quite up to the fitness that, that was needed for the squad. Uh, so I think that those reasons just contributed to him moving on. But, I mean, we were sad to see him, all sad to see him go when he left until we brought Clark in. And then we were like, oh, well, at least we've got a decent replacement in for him. Yeah, and it's sort of what's, you know, what have you seen from Clark? What's made Clark, Clark click? For Chesterfield because for us you know he just looked a bit like he wanted to be Jack Grealish and it didn't just didn't work at all for us I don't you know we were like I said last season we were a bit of a basket case really and it was all a bit weird so I think yeah what what's why is he doing think, so well for you <laughs> I think he still wants to be Jack Grealish to, to okay. be honest because there's, there's at times where he does do things which are just the same as him but it just absolutely clicked. I just don't know what it is. He like passes, he gets in behind, he creates opportunities. 
Like we were all shocked that we'd actually managed to keep him for this season. Admittedly, he's done his hamstrings. He's out now till mid-November. Oh, okay. But he's he's just unbelievable. He's quick. I, I just don't get why it didn't work because we we must be watching a different player. Because for us, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's, yeah. He has got a very good midfield around him though as well. He's got players like Curtis Weston who are very very solid and give him a good foundation so that he can work the tight areas, get himself into the number nine role with some little pockets of space. And that's where he does his best work as a, as a midfielder. So I'd say probably the players around him help him to flourish as well. I think there's an element of um, our manager seems to need a certain type of character for his team. Um, and, you know, that that works well with him. Um, and, you know, we saw the start of last season we had a couple of loans I mean three or four loans that just did not work and obviously you know that's down to the recruitment side that didn't work I wonder maybe Clark perhaps didn't fit in with how Darren Sowell likes to manage his team I mean this year we've got an 18 actually he was 19 today as well we've got a couple of birthdays today um <laughs> uh Sonny Blue Low Everton has come in from Watford and he's a yeah, nineteen-year-old. I think he's he he was in what he's played some preseason games for Watford this season. So they obviously think quite highly of him. But he's he's come down on loan to us purely because of his relationship with Darren Sal, who used to be the Watford academy coach, and by all accounts left a little bit under a cloud from there. And it's largely down to Sonny and his family that he's come to Yeovil to work under Darren Sal. So. He's sort of playing in behind Joe Quigley at the moment, and I think he's growing into it. Sort of each game, he's getting a little bit better. So hopefully, on well, hopefully for us on Saturday, he'll he'll show us what he can do. And you know, he, he got an assist at the weekend. But I think when you're playing in that number ten position, we we want some shots and some goals from him, really. Yeah, I, I think that's often the case with managers. I think they always have. Their favourites, don't they? They have players who they've worked with before, who they've really just clicked with. Because uh, I guess it, the character of the players is almost as important, really, as their attributes. Because they, they can be, you know, one of the best players they've ever seen. But if they're an absolute idiot to them all the time, and you know, just not listening to them, then it's not going to work, is it? So, yeah, I think I think that's that's very important. And it, it's been the same for us, really. James Rose brought in a lot of players who he's worked with before, both at um, shots and obviously at Gloucester last. Um, last season um, and he always talk, says the same he always talks about having the, the right kind of character in the dressing room so I think yeah going back to what we were on about with with, with Clark and I guess with Whelan as well um, there's a lot of stuff that goes off goes on off the pitch that we don't know about I suppose that con- all contributes to whether a player works or doesn't work and I guess just the on pitch characteristics aren't all of it kind of thing yeah of course the other player we've shared is Grant Smith isn't it who, yeah, um, yeah. What, what were your thoughts on him leaving Chesterfield? I was sad because I thought he was a, he was a decent goalkeeper. To be fair, and um, I think the reason he left was because we couldn't promise him first team football with getting Scott Loach into the side. Uh, but it would have been an interesting battle between those two for the number one shirt if he'd stayed. I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird. That's another one, but it was just a bit inexplicable as to why he left because he, he was he was incredibly solid for us uh, for ages, and then. Uh, 
yeah, all of a sudden he just got dropped. <laughs> and we, we brought um, James Montgomery in on a, on a short-term deal who I think had experience at this level before with, was it Gateshead or somebody like that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he, he, he played well, to be fair, Montgomery. But yeah, it just seems completely almost random that, that Smith got dropped out of the team. So I, I think that was another off-pitch uh, situation, that one. Yeah. Like, how's he done for you so far? Yeah, he's really good. He's quite a calm goalkeeper. Um, which is like the total opposite to what we had last year. We we had a, another Smith. We had Adam Smith in goal last season, and he a good shot stopper, but he liked to go for a wander, um, a bit of a screw loose, I think, <laughs> in, the, in the nicest sense of the word. He, he was yeah, he he had he had an edge to him, um, but yeah, Grant Grant Smith is like a nice calm goalkeeper I think and he certainly seems to have built a good relationship with his um, the centre backs in front of him so yeah I think well I like him I can't speak for all the Overtown fans but I'm yeah I'm pleased with him as a signing and I think the fact that you guys were disappointed to see him go or that he'd done so well for you as well was sort of quite nice for us another one of these players if he has had something go on that is the reason he's left he's another one that fits under our manager's misfit tag really yeah, well, he he kept a load of clean sheets. He kept like fourteen clean sheets while he was with us, or something daft like that. Yeah, and it's just it's spectacular. But with that, going going off clean sheets, here's one since our managers came in, we've kept something daft like I think when I last saw it, nineteen clean sheets in thirty six games, or something silly like that, isn't it? Or well, didn't we go like seven hours of football without conceding a goal last season at one point? Yeah. But you've conceded a f- you've conceded some, haven't you, this season? Just so that we're not totally feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a n- nightmare <laughs> five minutes against Barnet uh, on Tuesday night. Oh, sorry, that's my dog squeaking. Uh, <laughs> just walk out the way of him. Yeah, we had a, a, night- a nightmare few minutes against Barnet on the on Tuesday night. Gave away two really sloppy goals. Um, oh, he's following me. <laughs> you know what? Someone else talk. I'm going to beat myself. Yeah. Right. So yeah, last night we had an extremely mad five minutes where. We allowed Barnet two shots from like 35 yards, both of them absolute flukes. Both took absolute wicked deflections. And we were 2 we were 0 up after six minutes. And honestly, in the first 20 minutes, we could have been 4 5 0 up and no one had complained. And then at half time, it's like, how the hell are we 2 2? Yeah. And then in the second half, we just managed to grab two more goals and make it 4-2. And then the Bromley game where we conceded two as well, where we Michael Cheat went and scored in the 96th minute. So that, that was annoying. But yes, we have conceded. We're not, we're not a complete brick wall, but we're not far off. <laughs> and are you, um, how, are you, how are you playing? Are you keeping the ball, moving the ball around a lot? What, what's the sort of style of play at the moment? Um. It's what we like to refer to on on the Spire Arts Right podcast as peak row ball, which is um, <laughs> that the high the high press uh, in midfield, probably in the, in the middle third of the pitch, winning the ball back, and then um, they're a very fast forward attacking play to try and catch teams out, basically. And um, we've we've done it pretty well in most of the games. Uh, it seems like we've sacrificed a certain degree of attacking fluidity for defensive solidity, though. Actually, so far. I think um, we've been trying to be a bit more solid, perhaps, than we were last season. And um, 
we've got the job done in most games. Uh, the Bromley game was one where that was really frustrating because we, we literally had them hemmed in for most of the game. And you know what? You know what? Teams like Bromley are like—they're going to nick Oyton and have one more chance and nick a goal, aren't they? Uh, that was a really frustrating way to draw the game in the end. And then obviously I went down to Dover on Saturday, and that was easily the worst performance I've seen since James Vaux came in. Um, we just weren't trying to play play passing football at all. Uh, it was li- literally just hoof ball, and that, and that play right into Dover's hands. So it was a really uncharacteristic performance, really. But yeah, g- generally speaking, sort of the high pressing midfield and a fast attacking mm. play forwards is how we try and play. We we love passing it round as centre halves, and then on the uh, left, well, we played five at the. I'd say we played three at the back and two wing backs. So on the left, we've got Calvin Miller, who was at Notts County last season on loan. And then on the right, we have Jeff King, so, who was at Halifax last season. I think he was in the National League team of the season or something. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, we pass it round the back three. And then we just look to hit them on like the long diagonal. Okay. And if and if that's not on, then we do what we call peak row ball, <laughs> which is... <laughs> It is a ball from basically our centre-half, Gavin Gunning, straight into the centre-attacking midfielder who turns on a sixpence normally and then just, again, slots in Miller or King to put crosses in. Okay. It is death by width. It's yeah. peak row ball. Well, i got to say, I got to say our, last, so our last two matches, the Stockport and Halifax games, uh, back threes with wing-backs up high. And... We sort of handled that quite, quite nicely. Um, so I think that's probably good practice to play you guys. Really, is in and playing those two, those two teams. Um, I think what we managed to, what we managed to do on Saturday against Stockport was that their two wing backs weren't particularly defensively inclined. So, our we ended up playing. Um, more of a four-two-four in that game. The the wingers were, you know, in behind a lot of the time because the their wing backs were so far forward. So, you know, that could be a trend if your if your wing backs like to get right up with our full backs. We we say that, but then we've got uh, I don't know James Rowe. Every game makes about four or five changes. I think he's done four or five changes in every game so far this season. Yeah. So we honestly haven't got a clue what's coming one game to next. <laughs> and he said that in his post-match interview last night. Like, I just love changing the sides and keeping it fresh, <laughs> and we, and constantly changing his tactics. It's not not cool. not even the mystic beg himself that is John Crew, who can predict a pandemic, can predict the starting <laughs> lineup from James Rowe. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I mean, and that's where our managers are probably the opposite then, because we know that. Darren Sal will like you know will be set up. It'll be four four two without the ball, four two four with it, um, and that you know which is quite nice because previously it's always been a diamond, so he always played a really narrow diamond midfield, and and you know as Yeovil Town fans over the years we've sort of been spoiled by having really good wide players, and so having to adapt to just playing four centre midfielders was quite tricky because we like wingers who cross really um and this season we've got that so that's that's a good thing that's a good thing um i think we need to talk a bit more about kabongo shimanga um yeah town loan legend 
<laughs> he played played zero minutes. Um, does he only score penalties? Uh, no, no, not at <laughs> all. It's, it's a common misconception about about him. Okay. Uh, he did get two penalties on Tuesday night. To be fair, so probably not backing my point up that well, really. But um, no, he's he's a powerful striker who likes to sit on the shoulder of the defender, make diagonal runs across, um, makes runs into the channels as well. He's absolutely rapid. So he's got a lot of, lot of attributes which might win him a lot of penalties, uh, which is maybe why he earns a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of his finishing as well, he, he is very good in the penalty area, and that's where he does his best work as a centre-forward. Yeah, what, one thing we noticed from when you watched him against Boreham Woody is he is this small, you know, like stocky striker that holds the ball up well. And I saw, honestly thought it was all arms and elbows, you know, into defenders. But honestly, he comes. He is rapid. Honestly, he's a lot quicker than what anyone thinks he is. That ball gets in behind. There's only one person on the end of it, and that's Shamanga. He's just so quick, you know. And then he's got, and then he's got quick feet as well. I'm just, just so glad we bought him. Like none of us expected us at the end of the season or in the summer to be going buying Shabong. I mean, Kabongo Shamanga, you know. And the fact that we've got him and the fact, like, he scored six goals. Yes, three have been penalties, but three haven't been penalties. So, <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the day, though, if he's on penalty duties, you know. I mean, I can't talk. Our top scorer scored three penalties as well. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's he's one of those signings that sort of makes you think, oh, that's a good signing, especially when he, you know, he's done it really well for Boreham Wood and you sort of thought the next step might be um might be up into the football league but you know as we've seen this season the the national league is a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a freak case with the money that's being thrown around um mm. you were surprised that we you sort of spent that money on him do you think that's a bit of a reaction to what's happening elsewhere in the division I, I don't know because we'd, we'd already got Danny Rowe as well. Yeah. You know, the, the National League goal scoring machine. <laughs> so so we, we were quite content because we'd got Stefan Payne, who's, you know, an ex used to play in the National League, gone and had a, a bit of a nomad in the Football League. We'd got Danny Rowe. We know we've got a quasi Asante coming back at some point. Oh, yeah, point. of course. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> Which, which will be like a completely new signing when he's back. We're hoping the rumor has that he was meant to be out till January, but he might be back in October. All right. Which I don't know. Honestly, don't know how he's managed to recover two months from doing an ACL. And we all thought, oh, we'll be fine. You know, we've got these, and we'll just look forward. And who else do we have up front? And we've got Nathan Tyson. You know that we thought yeah. we could bring in, and then. All of a sudden, we go by Shamanga. I honestly don't know if it was, but apparently we'd been after him all summer. All right. Even before any of like the other, you know, transfers, you know, that were happening. So I don't know. I think it was all pre-planned. Like, like I said, if the the podcast we're on about it's called "We Are Sailing," on uh, and it's again with the directors, and they had meetings and all sorts to sit down to prove if we wanted to spend as much money as what we did. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it was knee-jerk. I'd say it was a properly planned out transfer, which is something we haven't seen at our football club 
in a good five years because normally, like I said earlier on, we're signing 35 year olds who want a decent pension. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and one last. It's a case of the clubs coming to an unexpected windfall with the um, insurance money. So they've highlighted an asset, because he is an asset at the age that he is, and with his goal-scoring record, who is going to do well for us and then can move on and make the club money in the future. And for a fan-owned club, that source of revenue from transfers is, is a massive a massive factor. So I think in, in that regard, it's, it's a cracking bit of business for the club. Yeah, I think I think the other thing with it as well, it is two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, but it's right over thirty six months of payments apparently. Uh, so we're going to be paying it back for the next three years, which obviously it's a bit of a gamble. But if we do get back into the football league in the next year or two, with the, with the TV revenue and stuff from you know getting into the league, um, I think that's kind of what they're gambling on. That you know we'll just be able to pay it off easily anyway because of the extra revenue or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that sounds. Sounds like a good piece of business. Um, what is your thoughts on the, the situation with the rest of the league? You know, Stockport spending money, Wrexham, you know, they're just, it's mental what's going on at Wrexham. Notts County, who are um, putting a lot into it as well. It's going to be a massive challenge to get out of the, the league this year with only, you know, only two go up. And, you know, even, well, even when you look at like what Dagenham are doing at the moment, there's, there's a lot of teams vying for those two spots. What, what do you make of it? Well, Notts County only sign our rejects, so <laughs> that that was their transfer policy. And Dagenham and Redbridge, this is an assumption that they're this small club with no money. But if you actually look at what their owners are, they've actually got a, quite a bit more money than what everyone lets on. Yeah. So I'm not and actually. They, they made some good signings last season in the summer yeah. that all, all got injured. Yeah, so I'm, I'm they, not. Yeah, they came back towards the second half of the season, and that was when they all oh, they made a little bit of a run for it, didn't they? I thought they could yeah. sneak into the playoffs. So I'm not surprised they're up there. You know, they're not undercover. But Stockport and Wrexham, geez, if you think we're spending money, all I've got <laughs> to say is Paul Mullin. Yeah, and yeah. You, you're talking. I don't even know how much they spent on it, but you're talking at least four or five grand a week. Yeah, and at this level, four or five grand a week could get easily get you ten players. So yeah, I and mean, then they. Well, I was about to say they've got Ben Tozer as well. They got this Lloyd Jones. Is that his name from uh, Lincoln as well? You know, it's, it's it's crazy money. You know, we're not even even we who spent nearly two like. Tom said nearly two hundred and fifty thousand on Shimanga. Even we're not in the same league as spending the money they're spending. It's just a crazy league these days, isn't it? The national league. It's it's been absolutely bizarre the sort of gap between the teams at the bottom and the teams at the top. And uh, it's just it's a culmination of um, big ex league clubs like ourselves dropping in and um, you know really struggling to get straight back up because it is a tough league and obviously only two two go up. The football league, which I mean, if I'm honest, I think that has to change at some point. Really, I think um, the national, the, the cloud, the national league has grown massively in, in recent years, and I think at, at this point, there's no reason for it not to sort of um, align itself with the football league a bit more. Yeah, yeah I you, think if you've sorry, got like if you've got like Southend and you know Southend and Grimsby, who if they don't find their way up um, this season, that you know there's going to be some massive, massive teams left down here with you know say Wrexham don't go up and the amount of money that they've got and the amount of clout they've got you know 
the EFL is going to be wanting a team like Wrexham to be in there because people are going to want to watch them on, you know, if you know how everyone puts Salford on telly all the time, don't they? You know, that's going to be the next team if they go up to the Football League. They're going to be the next team that gets all the TV games when it comes to televising a League Two match, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I'd argue we're in a bigger league than League Two at the moment. When, when you look at it, there's... Yeah, there's some big teams. Yeah, you've got Bradford. But when you look at the teams that are in this league, I'd say at the moment it's potentially a bigger league than League Two in terms of money spent and following. It's crazy. The top two, the top two, the top few teams in the league for sure <coughs> would more than hold their own in League Two or League One. Yeah, there's not that much different between the bottom half of League Two and the national and top half of the national league, really. No, I mean, there's, there's plenty of clubs in this league now who've even been in the championship, like you guys, for example, Stockport, you know, lots of lots of big clubs down here now. Grimsby. So yeah, Grimsby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Southend, you know, it wasn't long ago that Southend were in the championship either, was it? You know, who was their player they used to have? It was really good. Freddie Eastwood, wasn't it? They had some... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they were beating Man United on, on telly. <laughs> well, we got to the League One playoffs. And failed yeah. spectacularly at, at, at Preston, or yeah. is what it is. That was when you were on your way up, wasn't it? Is that when you, you spent quite a bit of money to get um, up after a new ground? Is that right? New stadium, and then it all sort of went a bit... Yeah, the, the spectacular de- decline when we had Sam, the likes of Sam Klukas, Sammy Morsey, Gary Roberts, Owen yeah. Doyle, and... <laughs> Well, we sold Owen Doyle. He'd scored 20 goals up to January, and we, I think we sold him for a bag of footballs. <laughs> Gen- genuinely, we sold a player for half a million pounds to uh, to Cardiff. Yeah. We, we could have slapped three, four million on him, and we didn't. So we got half a million pounds. It's crazy. And the, ex- yeah. the excuse was at the time was, when these big clubs come coming in, you can't convince your players to stay. Like, what policy is that? <laughs> we'll accept the first offer, but yeah. well, we could have been in the same league as Cardiff if we kept him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are a bit, they're, they're a bigger club than Chesterfield. Oh uh, yeah. I'm... Oh yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not denying that. No. No. Um. the what I see in football, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Saturday, what are you? Are any of you coming down? What are you? What are your expectations? Yeah, I'm actually all about coming down. So it's going to be my second insanely long away trip in two weeks. Um, as long as I see some goals, and it's not like a boring trap nil nil draw. I'm happy to be honest. And it's, it's yeah. a new romantic on my list as well. Actually, no, been to Hoish Park. Hoish, Hoish Park. Hewish. Jewish, sorry. Yeah, don't worry. Everyone gets it wrong on the telly all the time. <laughs> it's extremely annoying. <laughs> yeah, no. It, well, yeah. It's um. Yeah, don't get your hopes up for you know. It's it's not. It's not the Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, what are you expecting then for the weekend? Um, I think you know. I'm hoping for the same as the last couple of games. Really, we, we've. As long as we don't have any injuries, we've not got any changes to the team. I'm, I'm c- quite confident that we can keep teams out because we seem to be able to. Um, it's just 
taking our chances when we get them. It, it, you know, I'm fairly, you know, we're fairly predictable of how we're going to set up. So, yeah, just more of the same of, of what we've had so far, really. I think I think it'll be a good game. I think that's the one thing we were sort of worried that we were going to be playing this drab defensive football. But what we seem to do is when we get, when a team gets within you know, a certain distance of, of the goal, all of a sudden we hound, we press, and then we, we play the ball out nicely. It's not really sort of hoofball either so it has been entertaining to watch so yeah fingers crossed we can do the same as we did to Stockport yeah, well, we're, we're hoping you know, won't do that obviously but <laughs> I think it'll be an entertaining game I can see it being a score draw and in all honesty with the form you guys are in I'd take a point yeah yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was just going to say that I'm, when I saw that the fixture had been rearranged and we were playing you a lot I was like oh god what are we doing <laughs> it's not a good time to be playing you it really isn't no, no, then that's what goes in our favour. But I mean, at the same time, you know, you're unbeaten so far this season, so it's not a good time to be playing playing you either. So that's probably what will make it a, a decent game of football. Yeah, well, we have to lose at one point, so. <laughs> that's a good, way, good place to end it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've not got anything else unless you wanted to ask me anything. One one uh, last thing, you guys have got Adi Yusuf, haven't you? We have, yeah. How's he getting on? Did he uh, play for us last season? He scored his first goal on Saturday, which came from a, a wayward back pass, and he yeah he had a little bit to do. He put him through on goal, but he megged the keeper, um, which was cool. Uh, he he's getting up to fitness. And sort of finding, yeah, finding his fitness and how he fits in. But he's coming off, coming off the bench, and he's got quite a lot of energy to bring on. So he's, I think, his first game when he came on, he was he was a bit wild, and he had opportunities to pass it, and he decided to shoot. But he looks a threat. I don't know if he's a bit, um, I don't know really. Yeah, when he's come on, he looks he looks a threat. He looks like he's going to do something. Teams certainly Halifax seemed to back off him quite a lot when he had the ball. He's quite direct. Um, what did, what did, what's your guys' experience of him? He didn't, we had he him didn't last season. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got that no goal, no sleep policy, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, well, he, he must have got a lot of sleep for his last season. Um, to be fair Wide away. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, he got. I think he got one goal for us, didn't he, or something? But. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying, to be fair. He had a lot of effort, energy yeah. and effort, like you said, but it, it just didn't really come off for him at, at Chesterfield. Yeah. No, he's got something. There's something, there's something there. Um, there's a player in there. It's just, it's just getting him out. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, you know, when we signed Joe Quigley last season, Dagenham fans were laughing at us. And you know, he, he reached double figures last year and he's hit the ground running this season. So, you know, we're quite... We're quite pleased with how the managers coached him and what you know what they've done to get more out of him. So I think we're sort of hoping the same will come from Yusuf, albeit he's a little bit older than quickly. Yeah. What what uh, one question we always ask and we always ponder it on our podcast every week is what are your thoughts on five subs instead of seven N- nowadays in the National League with teams being able to field seven subs? Uh, well, it wouldn't make much difference to us because we've only, you know, a couple of games we've only had four anyway. So, <laughs> right. So our our squad depth, our squad depth is not huge. Um, yeah. So to be <laughs> as a Yale Town fan, it's 
wouldn't make much difference to us. Um, I remember when we were in when we were first in the football league, and you know it went from five to seven, and our manager at the time, Russell Slade, would only play. He'd just have five outfield players on the bench because he didn't want to waste a position on the goalkeeper. He mm. thought if a goalie gets injured or sent off, it is what it is. But you know the amount of times that happens. Um, mm. He'd rather he'd rather have an extra outfield player as an option to bring on. So yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the way I go. Certainly on Football Manager, that's what I do. Yeah, well, yeah, same on Football Manager. Even our manager does it in real life. Yeah, with the five subs. Yeah, there's no point having a goalkeeper because, like you said, how often do you get off? But with the size of our squad, we're all like, why can't we just have seven? You know, because then with seven, you know that you'd have a keeper on there. Yeah. It's just at the moment you don't have the room to do it. Like you'd rather have your five outfield players. Yeah, I think you've got to think when you've got like part-time clubs. They're like Dover. Uh, I don't know if Wildstone are still part-time or not, but you've got there. There are smaller teams that just don't don't have that level of squad, do they? Really? So I mean, even we're you know we're a full-time club, but we don't we can have seven subs at the moment um, with with the injury injury issues we've got. So. I don't know. I think if everyone was full time and you were all, you know, the same sort of structure of a football club, then I think it's the right thing to do. But because you've got that disparity, I think it's probably probably fair. Fair enough. Oh, cool. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we were like, why? Why don't we have seven subs? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because then Wrexham could have seven football league players on the bench. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> worth combined seven million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, it's an inter- I mean, it's an interesting discussion, but yeah, I think Yeovil Town fans would like just like to fill a bench with five at the moment. So. <laughs> 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 then we'll then we'll get there. <laughs> This is the thing with the National League, though. It's always been a bit of a weird league because there's just so many clubs that are in wildly different places, aren't there, at the end of the day? So that's probably why the National League board has so much trouble governing it, actually, because it's just a weird league. There's not really a one-size-fits-all for a lot of the rules, is there? No. I mean, when we went up in 2003, um, we were one of the only... I think it was us and Doncaster. There was, there was probably a couple of us that were full-time, but we were one of the biggest teams in the club who went full time and that meant that all of our players were ridiculously fitter than everyone else because we didn't have that I mean you don't have you didn't have the experts like you did like you do now like everyone can be a personal trainer and anyone can go and you know get their fitness levels to a decent standard can they Um, yeah you didn't really have that back then so we you know we won the league 100 points uh, or a hundred goals. No, we scored more than a hundred goals. I think. Um, yeah, we won the league at a canter that season, and that's the you know the big difference that we've noticed from coming down after so long in the football league is, you know, that playing field is a lot more level. We used to the the season we came up, we smashed teams like fours, fives, sixes. You know, mm. um, nearly every week. So it, it's. Um, yeah, it's a very different, very different division to what it was. It's a lot more. It is a lot more professional nowadays, like you say, and even like the part-time clubs have got sports scientists and are looking more at the 
analytical side of the game nowadays. And it, it's, it's just the way football on the whole is going, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, like you say, it is a much more level playing field as a result of that. Yeah, and that's why there's about eight teams that are trying to get out of the league this year, <laughs> yeah. if not more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be a good run, and yeah, hopefully Saturdays, hopefully Saturday we can cement ourselves into the playoffs. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been nice to talk to you lads again. Um, I think our next game's now been moved to February, hasn't it? Uh, yes, we were I meant think... to play you in a couple of weeks away, but now it's been moved to February instead. Yeah, probably it'd be a Tuesday night, so it'll be, you know, a horrible trip. No, do you know what it is? It is a Saturday. Oh, we've just We've just swapped. So we were meant to be playing you at home on that Saturday. All right. But now we're playing you away. Um, Yeah. Looking at the fixtures. So, yeah, we'll talk again around then and see how injured Shamanga is. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Asante will be yeah, back at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exciting. Well, good luck for Saturday. Um, hopefully, you don't enjoy it too much. Maybe you've made the best team win. Yeah, that's a good yeah. play. Yeah, that's, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> cheers, <laughs> cheers. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Cheers. Huge thank you to Ian and the guys from the Spyrax right for their conversation uh, just yesterday. Chesterfield on Saturday. Then, Marcus, of course, it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be Altrincham. It's all changed very, very quickly. Altrincham's game and Chesterfield's games uh, both uh, had uh, COVID postponements. So Altrincham had to pull out of their next couple. Chesterfield suddenly became free. And so Chesterfield are now coming to Hewish Park on this Saturday. Just a quick note, by the way, that the game that was going to be played on Saturday, the 2nd of October in Chesterfield is no longer going to be. They've pushed that back to the original date of Yeovil versus Chesterfield. Clear as mud, right? Easy. But basically, we're not playing Chesterfield away in a couple of weeks. We are playing Chesterfield at home on Saturday. Um, Marcus, what a strange um, uh, sort of series of events almost, but not the first one we've seen. Of course, um, Wrexham, of course, had a game called off against us on the first day and rearranged the game with Kings Lynn Sharpish. Um, do you think clubs are making a conscious effort to make sure that they have backups in mind and should things go awry, there is always a 23rd club. There's always a club out because of the number of teams in the league. It's something that seems to happen or has happened a few times. Yeah, that's that's the thing because the, the 20, we were the 23rd club on Tuesday. Tuesday were we yeah, out? yeah. Um, which was strange seeing a, a full fixture list and not us. Um, but it's, it's strange because I've, I haven't seen many of these sort of things going on outside the national in in the football league and above. Yeah, that's true. But in the national league, it, it seems to be happening a lot. I mean, it happened with us already, and it, it probably worked out quite well that we didn't get battered by Wrexham on the first day. Dodged a um, bullet there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's worked out really well when people saw that Chesterfield Woking was postponed. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And the yep. gaffer said in his press conference that Chesterfield were very proactive with it. So they, I mean, they're on a good run. So they clearly want to keep that going. We're on a good run, want to keep that going. You don't want that break in it two weeks between games and then you've lost it. So I think it works out 
rather well for everyone, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. It uh, does probably give Yeovil their, what's the word, toughest of the four games. We've obviously won this three on the spin, Aldershot, Halifax, Stockport, and now Chesterfield. You could well, argue that Kings Lynn are the anomaly after that big pause. Aldershot, nice win, 2-1. Halifax, TV, Hoodoo, gone. Stockport away, I mean, that was a heck of a result, albeit against a woeful Stockport side. This, to me, feels like the biggest challenge so far this season, but we've met every previous challenge along the way. Yeah, it's funny, because if you looked at it at the beginning of the season and seen, I know Chesterfield at home wasn't at this time, but if you saw Stockport away and then Chesterfield at home, you'd be, that's tough. You'd take a but point, wouldn't you? I think you'd be more worried about Stockport away because it's you're not at home, it's Stockport, they've brought in God knows however many people, we just batted them 3-0. Yeah, uh, and now we've got Chesterfield at home, who are second in the league. But, um, yeah, it is it is a tough one. But I think it's a really good time for us to play them because we wouldn't want to play them when we're down and out. Uh, like we did, I think we played them away last season, got battered 3-0 when we weren't in a great run of form. Yeah, Playing them now, it's a, it's a good test to see where we're at. Stockport weren't in great form. This team are in good form. There can't be any excuses because, I mean, beating, as in any excuses from them if we lose, if they lose, sorry, because beating Stockport, a lot of people, especially from the Stockport side, saying we've been in terrible form. Okay, we beat them. If we beat Chesterfield, we're uh, we're turning into party poops, I think. We're right up there. I, I completely agree. And I was interested to look at the Chesterfield uh, results and... They've beaten Aldershot away, fine, opening day of the season. Beaten Wealdstone at home, fine, you'd expect them to. They beat Kingsland away, fine, you'd expect them to. They've drawn 2-2 at Bromley, which I thought was interesting because they uh, took the didn't take the lead, sorry. They had to come back from behind. Michael Cheek does what Michael Cheek does best, scored a couple for Bromley on that day. Then oh, drew 0-0 away at Dover. And that is a real freak. Dover's only point brings them to the heavy heights of minus 11. I know. That's what I mean. So, and then 4-2 against Barnet. And we're going to touch on uh, Kabongo Tishmanger in a little bit because obviously he's going to be a big thing. But they went 2-0 up inside 10 minutes, were pegged back to 2-2, and then got away with it in the uh, second half. That gave away, uh, Barnet gave away two penalties. Yeah, I so think a, was... a Barnet side who aren't great, amazing, have scored two, have given away a couple of penalties, and Chesterfield have come out looking like a million bucks. And I... they have played six games, Chesterfield, yep. one four. All six of those teams make up the bottom seven at the moment. The only team in the bottom seven they haven't played are Torquay. Looking at it, the bottom seven are Wealdstone, Bromley, Kingsland, Torquay, Aldershot, Barnet, Dover. They're all teams Chesterfield have played. So I... I don't want to get ahead of uh, ourselves and say it's you a can, false you position. Can on, you can on the Brothers cast. <laughs> I'm you no can longer... with me. <laughs> yes, when I'm on, it... you can get as far ahead of yourself as you like. You, you do just wonder whether those draws against Bromley and Dover and then wins you'd probably expect against Aldershot, Wheelstone, Kingsland, who we didn't manage it against, but I think the red card didn't help in that. And Barnet, who they seem to struggle against, is... Yeah, I mean, they, they we are the toughest challenge they've had so far it's going to be really interesting 
to see how they play against us and uh, how they fare. But I'm quietly confident, weirdly. If, if I'd said this at the beginning of the season, I think I'd be very confused with myself. But uh, no, I've at the moment... <laughs> yeah, they, just having only played six of the bottom seven, I think, I, th- I think it's okay. We don't have anything to be terrified about, but it will be a tough game. I love the way you flipped that. I said that this was going to be our toughest task <laughs> and you flipped it to say that we're going to be their toughest task. And actually, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I think you're absolutely spot on. I'd argue that beating Halifax, who were up for the fight on TV and then going to Stockport and not just beating them. Let's not get this. Let's We battered Stockport they, at sixes and sevens. It could have been if it had ended eight nil, I wouldn't have been any more concerned. Um so that's really, really interesting. I think the really, the difference here that Halifax didn't have, Stockport didn't have, is that Chesterfield do have a proven, bona fide, proper goal scorer. He got a hat trick on Saturday. Kabongo Tishmanga, once of this parish, although you wouldn't know it because he never kicked a ball. What a strange little quirk that is he has a great record against us he has three goals in four games for Borenwood against us um he is one of those players that I look back on and think how did we miss this one very very strange but what a striker I'm trying to think who we had during that season ahead of him but he didn't come with a huge amount of pedigree I mean he'd been a he'd scored six goals at about seven different clubs on loan in total before us, which, I mean, isn't a great record. That's six goals in total. Um, but now it's six in six for Chesterfield. Um, I was told by someone that, because it was an on-running joke when during that season when he was never even named on the bench. Nope. Um, and I was told by someone that he'd actually been sent home, been sent back to MK Dons, because we signed him in January, in about February... Um, but Darren Way was insistent that that didn't get out and no one says a word um, because he would have been embarrassed or something, I guess, that he signed him and not done much with him. But yeah, a bit of a a sad one. Apparently he used to just eat his lunch on his own, um, but he's doing amazingly now. Uh, I mean, they've, yeah, Chesterfield are one of those clubs with all the the money in non-league and it was always going to be them Stockport or Wrexham or even Solihull who who signed Chimanga I could see really um and I'm not surprised he's left Boreham Wood to be honest no me neither I'm just looking at your point there about who else we had ahead of him I'm just looking now we had a uh, a game against Port Vale which would have been on the 13th of January so a couple of weeks after he'd signed Francois Zoko, Sam Surridge, and on the bench we had Marcus Barnes. <laughs> that is a name that I had completely was forgotten. Was this the about. season we signed Jack Storer on loan from Birmingham? Oh, he got sent off. And he was just, he came with so much pedigree. Birmingham fans were like, oh, he's amazing. And he was just, he was useless. Yeah, he absolutely. was the most aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awful. Uh, Alex Fisher, Ryan Seeger were in around the squad at that point. I see we played a johnson's paint trophy game on the 9th of january that would have been prime debut opportunity we went with sam surridge and alfie santos <laughs> with uh with francois zoko they've gone on to different paths since then they have and and a player named gulibikas yeah Gulibikas. He, he was 
I, I only know him because when I used to manage Yeovil on Football Manager, Classic. he was a Lithuanian, either full international or under 21 on the game. And so every time there was an international break, he'd always get called up. I was like, who's this? And uh, yeah, he was an academy lad who never really saw the light of day. No, and yet like... he's still got more squad time than Kambongo Chishmanga. <laughs> Must have something. Yeah, so he'll be back with what you think will probably be a bit of a point to prove Kabongo. He seems to always score against us. Like I say, three and four, I think it is, for uh, Boreham Wood. I think he's played. He played for, he made his MK Dons debut when we met them on the final day of the season. It ended 5-1 to MK Dons. Deli Alley, as his goodbye before he left for Spurs, tore us a new one. That's always the the uh, the the timeline on various Twitter pages. When Deli Ali does well, it's like five years ago he was beating Yeovil five one. It's always us. I, I don't know why. Everything's always us. Why always us? Everything is always us. It is just never anything other than us. Of course, it's us. Um, so yes, uh, we are looking out for him. But let's fling this back to a positive again. It was mentioned in the press conference today that we have got, I call them, uh, I call them Phil and Grant. Um, Darren Sarr calls them Josh and Dale in midfield. Um, they've had a very, very successful little partnership of keeping influential players quiet. John Rooney didn't really get a kick. Uh, Matty Warburton didn't get a kick for Halifax. Jordan Slew, Paddy Madden didn't really get a kick. Do you think that's going to be their task for the weekend to keep uh, Tishmanga quiet? They seem like absolute nuisances to play against. It would just be horrible. Would you? But that's exactly what you want from your club. We've been missing that for so many years. And we had Charlie Lee, but he was the only one who really could do it. And so when he was out, it was a bit of a struggle. But yeah, this this partnership just they they just seem horrible, which which is amazing. And I love it. And I love it. And yeah, it's exactly you want the the away team or the opponent to get absolutely wound up. And that, that's, that seems to be what they do. I do worry that in a few games we'll be without potentially both of them due to suspensions as they seem to pick up yellow cards in virtually every game. Uh, but we're used to that. And we've got a few players who can fill in there, whether they can fill their boots, it's okay. But yeah, they, I mean, they've been so important that just ahead of, an incredibly strong partnership of Wilco and Max Hunt. To have that core in the middle uninterrupted compared to last season is just unbelievable. When you think about the combinations with Dicko and Albie at centre-back or whatever we had and Michael Kelly at right-back, it's, <laughs> it's horrible to think about. That, that was, though, yeah, crikey. <laughs> and, and it's a great point about Charlie Lee because Charlie Lee... Um, suggested Dale Gorman to the gaffer during the off-season. And Charlie Lee, for as good as he was and as much as we loved him, he was on his own. He was in and out the side. He was, you know, he didn't train. And then he just turned up and played. And you get the feeling that these two are, are keeping a, a real, like you say, that quartet, that four. Poor old Morgan Williams. I was really excited about him signing. He can't get a kick because he can't get in this team. So, um, yeah, that little, that little four, they've got a real tough task on their hands on Saturday. But... I think, like we've alluded to, they are possibly in their best possible position to do so. Whether or not it actually happens, I guess we'll find out. It was mentioned as well in the presser today that both Matt Worthington and Jack Robinson 
are now available. Jack Robinson, the loanee from Middlesbrough, who we haven't yet seen because he's had a little niggle, a little problem. He's been back at Middlesbrough getting treatment. And Matt Worthington, after that Kings Lynn red card, has uh, had his three matches off. We've won all three of them. And my question to you, Marcus, is how do you change a winning squad of 16 with two players that you'd probably like to have available to you? Do you make any changes at all? Do you change the 11? Do you change a couple on the bench? How do you how do you go about integrating these two perfectly good players into a winning squad? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't really see how you do. It's uh, there's no uh, there's no point changing the starting 11. I, I don't think I mean, he alluded to that in his presser that it, there's, there's that would just be foolish and incredibly harsh on the players. Um, in terms of the bench, you've got Max Evans, Morgan Williams, Alex Bradley, Toby Stevens and Adi Yusuf. And Stevens seems like the one there to go out and maybe Evans as well, because Darren Sol doesn't seem like massively uh, in on the idea of having to have a keeper on the bench. We've seen a couple of times where he's because it, it, there should be seven subs. This is something Wilco said to me in commentary. I, I think it was in uh, off air. He, he said the the lads absolutely hate it how there are only f- five subs allowed. I mean, I know only a few times we've only managed four on the bench, yeah. but uh, I mean, was it the opening day this season we only had four? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do think to have options. I it's tough for Worthy because last season we were playing a lot more of a. It was very much a diamond, I think, with the holding midfielder too wide, and then a more attacking midfielder. This season, it, it's just a sort of flat four-four-two. With at times a four-two-four. Yeah, in Stockport, it's fantastic. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think the natural thing will probably be Toby Stevens. And I think if he was to drop out for one or the other, I'm not sure whether we've got any sort of agreement in place with Middlesbrough that Jack Robertson has to be involved for a certain amount of time or in a certain amount of squads or anything like that, as is sometimes the case with, with lone players. But I was wondering, your point about seven subs, I was going to bring this up actually, because we were three and up against Stockport, absolutely hammered them. We were done and dusted. And the gaffer turns around and Morgan Williams was getting ready. And I think he might've said, actually, no, let's give Toby Stevens a couple of minutes. But on Saturday, we're probably going to lose Toby Stevens from the bench for one or the other. Maybe Robinson comes into the squad. But if we're 3-0 up or 4-0 down or 5-0 down, 6-0 up, 6-0 down, and you've got the opportunity to give Toby Stevens 10 more minutes, he's now not available to you. Um, how is it, it? It cannot be conducive to producing youngsters if you cannot give them time on the bench. We've given them a few times on the bench and times within match day squads, but seventh sub would come in so nice and handy right now, wouldn't it? Yeah, and so many times you see in the National League, I mean, we saw it when Bromley came, when they didn't have a keeper on the bench because they needed that extra man, where the centre-back Bush had to go in goal for about 80 mm. minutes. And I, I don't really see how much of a difference it would make for the in terms of the league to just change it to seven. I don't see what benefit they get from keeping it at five. I get some teams are part-time, but to be honest, nowadays very few in this division are. Um, and yeah, it, it was a rule in the EFL, I remember, in our last season that we you, every team had to have a, an academy product on the bench or in the, uh, in the squad. And Gabby Rogers, poor lad, was on that bench every, every week and was thrown on whenever we were getting a battering in the last 85th minute, in the eight, last five minutes. And, uh, and I think it was uh, Darren Way's last game. Uh, at MK Dons 
which was his, I think he knew he was on the cusp and he threw Gabby Rogers into the starting 11 uh, and it didn't go well. But yeah, in these last minutes, I don't, I just don't understand what the league gain out of it, to be honest, from not increasing it to seven. No, and if you did increase it to seven and some clubs were like, well, we can only field six. Well, fine, because you can yeah. only field five. You know, you've, you've still got an extra one on the bench. Maybe you turn around and say that again. Maybe you do turn around and say, of your seven, two must be under the age of 20 and of your own academy or whatever it may be or, or set rules out for the extra two so that they're designed for Toby Stevens and Max Evans. So you have them there. But we've had Ollie Haste, haven't we, make an appearance or two on a couple of substitutes benches in pre-season. So there are clearly other people that might be benefiting. Get Skiverton on the bench. Get him no, on. All of them. All of them. There's about seven. Benjani Jr. Benjani. He, <laughs> he scored, didn't he? Yeah. Benjani Jr. I cannot believe. <laughs> when I saw that rumour come up, I, was, I, just, I just thought it was one of those terrible rumours you see where they try to get clicks online from non-league clubs. But... He's actually here. <laughs> actually him, actually scoring actual goals for us. It's such a Yeovil thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Of course it's Yeovil that has Benjani Jr. on the bench. Of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. But hey, that's the way it goes. If he scores as many as his old man does, I won't moan one little bit because he wasn't a bad striker. Um, <laughs> right. We are talking about Chesterfield on Saturday afternoon. Remember, it is Chesterfield. There is a game taking place. I know plenty of people would have seen the Altrium game postponed and thought, well, that's my Saturday freed up. No, get yourself down to Hewish Park. Will you be tuning in on the radio? Or are you gonna oh, be, yeah, uh... I'll be tuning in. It's uh, Yeah, I, I actually haven't been. I managed to see us in the flesh yet. I watched the Halifax game on BT and I've listened to all of them, listened to your, your dulcet tones on Saturday, Ben. <laughs> uh, described it vividly. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to going to Boreham Wood and seeing us play in the flesh because it is a lot very different. You, you learn a lot more about these players because at the moment I can see this, the horribleness of uh, Staunton and Gorman, but I think in person it will come out a bit more. When you hear the players screaming at them, that's, uh, that's when you really get it. Hopefully you'll be able to get that at Boreham Wood in uh, a week's time as well. So it's time now to take a little look at some questions. We only got the one, and it's a bit of a silly one. But you know what? <laughs> we like silly ones here on the Glovers cast. Matt Crivelli... Hi, Matt. How are you doing? As his policy of signing players named after places in the UK, Barnet, Wakefield, Everton is proving to be successful. Who will Darren Sahl recruit next? How are your geographical names, Marcus? <laughs> Who have we pulled out of the hat for this one? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to copy uh, one of the ones he's already said in Wakefield and change it to Josh Wakefield. Who of course. We had on loan from Bourne Bournemouth, was it? Yeah, it was uh, a while ago. Is he not at Weymouth now, though? Yeah, maybe not. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of any. Oh, Naki Wells, get him in. Wells, get him and in. It, and he's not playing at Bristol City. Exactly. We we could do with a. Well, we don't need it. We've got Joe no, Quigley. No. If he wants to come sit on a bench, it's fine. Yeah, warm the bench. Well, we got Adi Yusuf. We got you know. We do have Adi Yusuf. <laughs> Crikey, it is uh, it is quite difficult. I'm trying to think of others. I I did a bit of a Google. Uh, Reese Oxford. Reese Oxford. Yeah, I think he's, he's in. Pro he's yeah. He's probably Oxford. a bit above us now. Yeah, he's playing the Bundesliga. It's probably a step or two too high I'm uh, looking at google what's, maps what's, what's dion dublin up to yeah get him get him in from homes under the hammer yeah exactly that might be way to go um chris sutton he had a he, he, yeah. he knew where the back of the net was if anyone else out there if any clubs casters do have <laughs> any more geographical footballers um, neville southall get him neville in. neville southall sure he'd do a job yeah okay Philip most of the gate goal. is that a 
Is that a push, mm. North London? <laughs> now, now, now we're now we're yeah, Jason Scotland. <laughs> we're on that territory now. Um, so okay, any more? Let us know at Gloverscast on social media, Gloverscast at gmail.com. That was the only question from the socials. I have a question though for you, Marcus, because it is your Glover's Cast debut. Of course, I think you kind of had half an inkling this might be coming, but it is time for me to take apart your Tesco meal deal, of course. <laughs> well, there's, see, I have uh, had many meal deals over the past few years, uh, <laughs> due, mainly on home de- home games at Yeovil when I'd go from my house in Exeter, stop off at the Tesco Metro, get a meal deal in, quickly catch the train from uh, Exeter Central and uh, enjoy my meal deal on the train looking over my commentary notes. And what I would tend to go for is, no, I don't actually know what it's called. It's, I go for value for money here. Okay, and, you, you, and, uh, you're looking for profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'd go for the, the, I think it's called the chicken triple, but it's oh. it's three sandwiches. I think you get chicken, chicken and you get a, yeah, chicken and stuffing, chicken and sweet corn and something else with chicken. Yeah. Um, which solid, solid three, start this. It's, you know, it's £2.75 on its own. You're, you, you only have to spend 25p more to make your money. Uh, then I would tend to go for salt and vinegar McCoys, you know. Elite. Get the ridges, yeah. They maintain the flavour, in my opinion. Yeah, Unbelievable job. Uh, and then drink. Drink, I was a bit more... I, I tended to be a bit more versatile, and I'd change, but I tended to go... What did I... I'll tell you, an oasis. Oh. Because I would never get that any other time apart from in a meal deal. As Meatloaf so, uh, once said, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Oasis ruined it. You ruined it there at the end. Ruined it. Yeah, ruined it. What's what's wrong if, with Oasis? If you're playing for the profit, you got to go Red Bull. Yeah, you got, you're not, you, yeah. If you're, you're playing for the profit, you got to go for the Red Bull or a Powerade I, or something. Back in I the day, I did get a Red Bull once actually, and it was it's fitting that we're playing Chesterfield because Chesterfield at home last season, I woke up a bit worse for wear. I'd been oh drinking the night before. It was on a school night. On, on a university night, uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't in a great way. The trains were screwed. I had to go to Penn Mill, and, which is a different route, and then I had to get a rail replacement back. And the game was awful. It was abysmal. We lost 1-0 to that stupid tall bloke, Tom, Tom Denton, uh, scoring. And I remember it was, we still hadn't won. Chesterfield had won like once. They were also in terrible form. Everyone thought it would be the game to change it. We lost 1-0. Boris then announced another November lockdown. Oh, worst day of my life then. Um, hopefully, t- hopefully Saturday won't be the same. Nice way to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, on a sorry, nice sorry everyone. So I'm getting two out of three on the meal deal. You're getting two out of three. It's a solid four and a half out of seven. No, four out of seven. We don't do halves. Okay. Four okay. out of seven. It's okay. It's it's bang in the middle <laughs> of the road. Um, I just noticed actually, Grant Smith was in goal last time we played against Chesterfield. He kept a clean sheet. Same again, please, Grant. And I was at the game in 1920, which Chesterfield <laughs> did not want to happen uh, when we went away from home. It kicked off about half an hour late because of the torrential oh, rain. I thought you meant the year 1920. I, I, oh I was, no, thought you were talking about some historic game. You're trying to make a. <laughs> if Coach was at that one in 1920, <laughs> the old git. 2019 yeah 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 the game Chesterfield didn't want to happen because they were uh it was raining a bit and they didn't want to get wet 
Uh, we beat them 2-1. It was very, very nice. Murphy and Hippolytes on the score sheet there. Listen, we've been talking a little bit. I think uh, the chat with the Chesterfield lads in the middle has taken us a fair chunk into our uh, allotted time. So, Marcus, I'm going to take this time to thank you for all that you did on the stream last year. You made our experience that a little bit better. Secondly, thank you for making your Glovers cast debut. And I'm going to wish you nothing but the absolute best for that Bournemouth game. You're going to have a great, great time. Sheridan's brilliant to work alongside of, and you're going to really enjoy it. No, thank you, Ben. Thank you for asking me on. And thank you to you and Ian and Dave for everything you do. For Because it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing way of keeping in touch with what's going on, especially with everything that's happened over the last year. You couldn't really get out. And you were the voices through many people's uh, lockdowns. So... Yeah, thank you very much from, I think, everyone who supports the Oval, pretty much. Well, see, this is a nice way to end the podcast. <laughs> everyone being nice to everyone else. Glover's Cast listeners, thank you, as always. Tweedledee and Tweedledum will be back at the weekend to discuss the Chesterfield game, I'm sure. But for now, thanks ever so much for joining us. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard. Making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. Expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com